The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. And Peep is here in my lap, (laughs) as usual, misbehaving, annoying me. And Freshbutt is over here on the floor like a nice, polite (laughs) boy with his little pillow. He has his, we have to have this pillow on the floor for him. And we always joke and say, like, ooh, he's lounging because he has to sit with like, like his shoulder, like the top part of his body like propped up on the pillow so it's like an armrest almost and that's how he always sits he loves to lounge so cute <laughs> right fresh what he says yeah right peep she's gonna not speak because i want her to <laughs> she, she only speaks on, yeah doesn't work on command no she only speaks when she friggin' wants aka <laughs> when i don't want her to um not much going on with me but you've got you've got a fun lunch to go to yeah, so one of my friends, it's not fun the reason we're having lunch, but one of my friends is leaving to go and live in the UK, so that's very sad. But one That's happy, far away too. Oh no, well, she's from the UK and so they moved uh, here, but then they've lived here for ages and now they've decided to go back and be a bit closer to their family. Now their kids are, they've got kids and things like that. So How rude. Yeah, I know, it's very rude of her. I've told her that. <laughs> anyway, um, so we're going out for lunch, but there's this new place that's open near us and I have only ever seen it like once before, which was in Europe forever ago because clearly Australia is light years behind the rest of the world. But it's a place <laughs> where you go and you put like money on a card and you can pour from all these taps. So they have like cocktails, wine, beer, soft drinks, like so you can like they have an espresso martini tap or like oh, I don't know cool. if you do, do you guys have fruit tingles there? Is that a cocktail there? Mm, I don't know, but I don't drink a lot of cocktails. Anyway, it's like a really fruity cocktail made up of like I don't know. I don't even know. Maybe I'm getting into different territory, but like Midori and stuff, like different kind of fruity liqueurs. Mm. Anyway, so anyway, so you pour it into your glass. And you can have as much as you want or as little as you want, and you like pay by milliliter. So yeah, you can have like a little bit of everything rather than having to have a glass of you know one beer or one wine or whatever. You can just you know, you swipe your card, you pour it, and then once you, you know, you, I feel like you can either say, okay, I want like $2 of this and it will stop pouring or you can just pour it yourself until you're ready to stop and things like that. So a cute little novelty, fun thing to do, something different. Yeah, I'm surprised there's not really any of those around where I live because, like I said, it's where I live right now is a, a trendy like town. cost would be a lot. Like those taps yeah. and things like that would probably cost a lot of money. I went to one in New York City years ago, and then when we go to North Carolina, there's one in Wilmington that we go to every time we go called Poor. And there you get bracelets instead, though. They Oh, yeah, like you can tap your bracelet or whatever. Yeah, you tap your bracelet and then you pay at the end. But anytime I've gone to one, they they cut you off or you have to at least go check back in to show that you're not like wasted. But it's a pretty short cut off it's like maybe three drinks before you have to check back in or four drinks before you have to check back in which i guess makes sense because they don't want you just like crushing <laughs> drinks forever since <laughs> there's no like bartender yeah so but it's cool and then you just switch out the glasses or they have like the little things that like shoot the water in the glasses too rinse them That's, out 
Yeah, but it's good when you want to try like a bunch of different Ooh. stuff because you could give yourself a half pour or just like a little sip. It says offering 20 types of craft beers, local wines, signature cocktails, and non-alcoholic delights. So espresso martini, pina colada, vodka and fruit tangle, watermelon seltzer, ginger beer, hard lemonade, and then they go wines and beers. So yeah, something fun. Yeah, that's cool. Ooh. I like those. Is there? Do they have like little snacks? Well, you say you're going for well, like lunch. They do, so. but well, so we're actually going somewhere else for lunch. We're just going to go oh. to this place for one drink. Before but they do have like a tapas menu, like you know, like bar snacks. So yeah, like I've just looked chicken wings, smoked chorizo, tacos, that type of stuff. Looks nice. I'm hoping yeah. it's good. It's always good to have a good new place to go to, something different. And like the novelty of it is fun. Mm. The one we go to last year, they had a vape vending machine. And me and my, like, we don't vape. I've never vaped, but we did it just because we had a few drinks and just for the novelty of it, we're like, oh, let's use this vape vending machine. So, like, we still have that vape that we'll never use. (laughs) (laughs) Very weird thing. (laughs) Do you guys vape over there? Yeah. Vaping is very big here. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. We're not well versed in the the vaping No, no. I also don't vape. Like, I've never, ever enjoyed vaping or smoking or anything like that, but everyone like if you go to a party or a bar here everyone is vaping um I, I absolutely prefer it being a non-consumer I prefer vaping because at least if you get a whiff of it it smells all right yeah <laughs> generally but um, it smells like blue raspberry or something yeah I feel like it was bigger here a couple years ago like everyone was vaping and now people are like all right it's still like not that great for us so maybe we should stop the thing here is smoking like cigarettes is so expensive. A packet of cigarettes here is at least $40 for one pack. Wow, that's crazy. I haven't, I have no idea what the prices are, but I remember back when I hung out with people who smoked, it was still really expensive. And that was yeah. probably like 10 years ago. So I feel like vaping is here a cheaper option, probably an easier option. Like you can buy them online and stuff like that as well. But yeah, cigarette smoking here is insanity. Yeah. The price, I mean, is insane. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. A good way to deter people from it. Yeah. And so just as a quick crime update from our last episode where we spoke about the mushroom murders in Australia, uh, Aaron Patterson did go to court and the police, I believe, requested a 20-week extension or like 20-week time frame on the court case because they need time to review everything. So according to that, she probably won't be in court at the earliest until May 2024. So. I don't think we will find out much more before then. Um, like I'm guessing she could plead guilty and we might find out. But even then, I feel like even if she pled guilty, we probably wouldn't find out much. Then we definitely won't hear anything. No. So like I guess if anyone's interested in finding out more, the best case scenario is this goes to trial, but that will not happen until May at the earliest next year. I did someone – I don't know if you saw the comment, but someone said maybe the other – attempted murder charge remember like oh maybe it was yeah. one of the kids i think that so was on maybe patreon it, someone said that yeah it could be could have been because she did invite plan, the husband over he didn't show up yeah because she invited the husband over initially but then he like last minute backed out so you know after she's already tried to murder him three times it seems yeah um it's probably safe to assume that was the plan again but who knows seems like we won't know until may at least hmm Friggin' Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, I'll go on the record and I'll say I would be surprised if it happens then. I would suspect it will probably be longer. Um, but you never know. I guess things, miracles can happen. But there's been nothing else since our episode anyway that have, that's come out. It's all kind of quietened down now and I guess the legal process is starting. Yeah, there's also been a lot of legal issues with Delphi that 
I'm mm. not we're definitely not qualified to talk about nor do I fully <laughs> understand. So I, I have posted the articles, but basically now they're trying to get rid of the judge and saying the judge has handled things badly. The defense lawyers want to come back on to represent Richard Allen. That's another big mess right now. I mean, it's always been a mess, but it's just it's not coming together still. If you want to read about that, just give it a Google. (laughs) (laughs) Someone will get mad about that. (laughs) We do. We have a Delphi highlight too. So if you are like, what are they even talking about? Go on Instagram and you can read everything on the highlight that has happened. I think we might even have two Delphi, maybe even more. I don't know. Anyway, there's a bunch, but we've got all the content on there if you're not familiar with the case. It's just, it's a lot. I don't, I'm not going to try to act like I can totally explain it and everything's going on. The defense diaries, someone messaged us and said that, and that was actually who I listened to when we first talked about all the Odinism documents. I think his name is Bob Mata. He does a good job explaining all the legal stuff on Twitter or X, whichever you prefer to call it. Um, So if you want to learn more about it, he's a good source. His Twitter's Defense Diaries. All right. So today we're going to talk about two missing persons cases, two missing women that went missing this year. They are both pretty strange. I feel like we always say that, but... (laughs) They're strange. They both like, remind me a little bit of the Gwen Brunel case that we covered yeah. not too long ago, where there's a lot of kind of strange things that go on before these women vanish. They're, they are separate cases too, so they didn't vanish together. But yeah, both have some very strange circumstances around them. Yeah. So one is Chelsea Grimm, and she went missing September of this year, so pretty recently. And the second one we're going to talk about is Kay Alana Turner. She was 28 and she went missing in March of this year. So we'll start off with Chelsea. Where is Chelsea? That's the mystery gaining national attention after a 32-year-old woman vanished while on her way to a family wedding. Chelsea Grimm left her home in San Diego on September 24th and headed cross-country by car to the wedding in Connecticut. But she wasn't totally alone. With her was her pet, a bearded dragon named Rozzy. Her parents, Stephen and Janet, appeared last night on News Nation. She was originally going to fly, but the airlines wouldn't let her take that animal on the plane. So she called and said, I'm going to drive across the country. Three days into Chelsea and Rosie's road trip, she called her parents. She said, I'm only as far as Arizona. I just don't think I can do this by myself, which we had tried to explain in the beginning. But um, she said, so I think I'm going to just skip the wedding and Stay here for a couple of days and do a little camping. The next night, a police officer in Williams, Arizona, approached Chelsea in her car. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing great. You can see Chelsea in this side view mirror. She tells the officer about her bearded dragon. I got gotcha. my dragon. And I'm just oh, that's freaking cool. I didn't even notice that. Thanks, Rosie. Wow, Rosie. Uh, do you have like a hotel around here or anything? I don't. I was actually thinking of just camping for the night, but I wasn't really sure exactly yet. A week later, Chelsea's car was found abandoned on a dirt road with two flat tires. Her bearded dragon was also nowhere to be found. It's unique. You don't see too many people with an orange bearded dragon uh, as a companion when you're traveling. So it has uh, brought in some tips and we hope that one of these will ultimately help us locate Chelsea. Chelsea Grimm is a 32-year-old woman from San Diego and she's been missing since September 30th, like I said. And Chelsea's parents are Stephen and Janet Grimm. 
According to Chelsea's Facebook page, as of November 2022, Chelsea was a licensed social worker, and she made this post about it in November. She wrote, it finally arrived. I am a licensed associate social worker on track to be able to have my own practice, full LCSW status, going within the next three to six years or less. Lots of exclamation points. She seemed very, very excited about it. Um, her Instagram account indicates that she was also a photographer. Her Instagram bio says, Grim Photography, psychologist, photographer, poet, SD to NYC, life's all about color, ACSW. Her last post on there was from, I think, it's always hard for me to tell because of the time difference, but it says September 7 for me, so maybe it was September 6 her time, but um, like a few weeks before she disappeared. So it was still a very active account up until almost right before she vanished. Um, There's Mm. some photos of her. She takes a lot of landscapes, cityscapes. Um, There's some neat photography on there if you want to check it out. In late September 2023, Chelsea had plans to attend a wedding in Connecticut. She'd been planning to fly to the wedding, but after she realized she couldn't take her pet bearded dragon named Roxy on the flight, she decided that she would drive across the country instead. She was originally going to fly, but because of the bearded dragon that she recently acquired as a pet, the airlines wouldn't let her take the animal on the plane. So the day that she was supposed to fly east for the wedding... She called and said, I'm going to drive across the country. And she said, I packed my car. I have my tent. I have my sleeping bag. I might spend a couple nights in a hotel. I might camp. We are sort of going to see how that goes, which I don't know her, but I think that's already like starting to be a red flag, in my opinion. To do a cross-country trip seemingly so unprepared, um, Last minute, on the way to a wedding. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of a massive plan change at very short notice. Yeah, and like my sister and her husband did a big like cross country road trip. Like that's not an easy thing to do. No, and it takes a lot of planning. Just like how you're going to drive, when you're going to get, especially when you're on a time crunch because you need to make it to a wedding. Yeah, so you can't just you know spend a day here, a day there. You'd have to be like working out your on route, schedule. how far you're going to go each day. Yeah, and I don't know. It's never really mentioned if she's like a a camper camper. But, like, I couldn't just go out and start camping. Yeah. Right? Like, they don't say, like, she's an avid camper or anything. So her father, Stephen, said the magnitude of this adventure of driving across the country was a lot even for Chelsea. And we said we both thought it was too much and that we would help her fly from Phoenix home. Or if there was a friend in Phoenix she could leave her car with, we gave her a bunch of options. He also said she changed plans a lot, but this wasn't the first time she ever changed a plan for sure. Seems like even they were like, mm, I don't know if you could just be camping like this and going and across from, the country. So I feel like from what I've read about Chelsea, she was quite nomadic. Like she was known to kind of maybe be a little bit flighty, you know, a little bit open to changing plans, you know, just to, you know, do you know what I mean? Like she, it doesn't seem Live like life she without was- a plan. A super scheduled person so like I, I can kind of see that this plan might not have seemed that out of the ordinary but it was a lot yeah like doesn't seem like she knew really how much work that would potentially be yeah especially by yourself and it would be yeah. lonely as well like I know some people like their own company but it's still a long time driving by yourself you know even to have no one else to take a turn driving for example like things like that it's a yeah a lot to consider yeah, like Roxy's not going to be driving. <laughs> um, 
So Chelsea told her parents that she was going to undertake an art project while on her drive to document the lost and forgotten people of the United States. So in terms of a timeline of Chelsea's disappearance, she left her home in San Diego on September 24th in her Ford Focus SUV with her bearded dragon, Roxy. So we know that a few days later, on the 27th, Chelsea met up with a friend in Phoenix. And in three days, Chelsea had only traveled about 400 miles or around five hours of driving time. So it seems like she was not, I don't know the word. Making, covering much ground. Yeah, like she was not on a strict schedule. Seems like she was just kind of floating around. When was it? Did they say when this wedding was? No. Well, I, I go into that in a bit and it says like, because no one actually knows, but her friend kind of does a theorized timeline in a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like the start of October or something. So, the, yeah, the 27th was a Wednesday. I'm assuming, you know, the wedding was probably the Friday or the Saturday, maybe the 29th or the 30th. Um, yeah, she did not give then. herself much time to be doing all this, especially to go nowhere basically in three days. Um, She also spoke to her parents on that day. Her mother said, we last talked on the 27th in the afternoon and she said, I'm probably going to camp for a couple days. So for a couple of days, we didn't even think about her. She told us she'd be offline and we knew she'd be in the area of Arizona where there were spots where there wasn't good service. Janet also said later, three days later, she was only as far as Arizona and she said, I just don't think I can do this by myself. So she said, I'm just going to skip the wedding and stay here for a couple of days and do a little camping. And she made it sound like she was going to head back to San Diego. So now she's deciding to bail on the wedding. Mm. One of Chelsea's friends has been commenting on Reddit, and they said this about Chelsea's decision to not go to the wedding. They wrote, it was the wedding of a longtime close friend. Honestly, I find it hard to believe she wouldn't do everything possible to be there. Um, The friend also said, I've been in contact with some of her friends. I'm still trying to piece things together myself. Chelsea told me in early September on the 5th that she would be in NYC on September 24th to the 26th and back in the city on October 1st. She stated that she intended on flying out and that her parents are going to help her fly back to California from New York City. My guess is that the wedding was on September 29th or slash the 30th and that the original plan was for Chelsea to fly back on October 2nd. So yeah, knowing those dates, it seems like she did not give herself much time at all to be driving across the country without a very, very strict plan. And there would not have been much time for dilly-dallying, I would say. Um, I don't actually know how many days it takes to drive across the country, but I'd imagine at least like... Five or six or something. Like of straight driving, I'd say at least like four. Yeah. <laughs> like only taking minimal big, breaks. Big days, yeah. All right, so San Diego to Connecticut... Obviously, this is just a very general thing because we don't know exactly where she was leaving from and where she was going, but that is 42 hours of driving, 2,862 miles. So, and that'd be nonstop. Yeah, nonstop. So, obviously, if you did 12 hour days, that's still three, you know, 12, 20, or even four, four, nearly 12 hour days. And it would be very hard to drive 12 hours at yeah. a time by yourself with not much. No, no long haul experience essentially. Yeah, you'd have to be very strict. None of, yeah. no stopping to see friends or take pictures or anything else that she wanted to do, really. So after Chelsea spoke to her mother, she called a friend and canceled a lunch date that she'd planned for the next day on September 28th. Chelsea was then seen at a hotel in, in Seligman, Arizona on September 27th. 
A witness who saw her said that she appeared disoriented and was trying to use euros instead of U.S. dollars. There is a clip I could put it in. It's of her talking to the person at the hotel, but they cut out some of what she says. But she does mention that she was trying to stay off the grid. And she also apparently mentioned that she was thinking about changing her name because she was like, oh, like, do you take euros? Kind of like joking around, I guess. (laughs) And she said that she was trying to stay off the grid. So that seems a little weird. Like, why is she trying to stay off the grid? Why does she even have euros? Changing her name. That's my question. What what is she doing? Like, sometimes if I go somewhere, I might have like a few notes left in my wallet, but... I probably wouldn't be trying to pay for a hotel with yours. Yeah, I couldn't say if she was just like joking, joking. around, but then the, the whoever it was said that she appeared disoriented. Mm. You can't really tell in the video. Unless you take euros <laughs> or anyone in town exchanges euros. I, uh, I was trying to stay off the grid. I don't really want to. That's the problem. I was hoping not to use the card. Um, but also, like, why is she talking about maybe wanting to change her name? So Chelsea was captured then on police body cam footage on September 28th. I, so I'll put some clips of that in here. But basically, someone called in reports of a suspicious person in a vehicle in Williams, Arizona. And this is around 42 miles or a 45-minute drive from where she was seen at the hotel. I feel like, too, this body cam encounter kind of happened in the evening. It looks quite dark from what I can see. So if you think about it, that means that she that day she still only drove 45 minutes from where she was last seen for basically the whole entire day. So um, yeah. another day where she didn't do much traveling. Yeah. Police responded and found Chelsea sitting in her car near a graveyard in a war memorial. Chelsea seemed to be upset in the footage, and the officer asks if she was okay. And she had Roxy, the bearded dragon, with her in the car at that time. So she said to the officer, yeah, I was just doing a photo shoot of the lost soldiers and got a little emotional. So I was crying before I got back on the road. Chelsea did tell the officer that she had smoked marijuana hours and hours ago and also reported that to the dispatcher, but said that she didn't look impaired by that. The police officer asked Chelsea if she had a hotel to stay at for the night And she said, I don't. I was actually thinking of just camping for the night, but I wasn't really sure exactly yet. I didn't plan to be here until sunset. The officer told her that as per Williams City Ordinance, she was unable to sleep in her vehicle. He then directed her to a nearby truck stop. He said, the yellow lights up there, the loves, it's the trucker stop. In the gas station area, you can sleep there. Nobody will bother you, the officer says. She said, oh, perfect. Awesome. Yeah, love that. She said, then she said, if it's okay with you, if it's okay with you, if I hang out here for another like 15 or 20 minutes and then head on the road, that would be my plan, I think. And he said, hang out here for however long you want, and then you're good to go. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? The interaction lasts about seven and a half minutes. I'm doing great. Are you doing all right? Yeah. And shows 32-year-old Chelsea Grimm just a few days before reportedly disappearing. I just was doing a photo shoot of the lost soldiers and got a little uh, emotional, so I'm I was so, crying before okay. I got back on the road. The body cam footage from September 28th was taken by Williams police, who responded to a call of suspicious activity at the Williams Cemetery. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you're quite all right. I mean, I was just doing a photo shoot, yeah. At one point, the officer asks her if she has a hotel to stay at. 
and she says she didn't. I don't. I was actually thinking of just camping for the night, but I wasn't really sure exactly yet. Gotcha. Well, I didn't you... plan to be here till sunset. Okay. According to family, Grimm was driving from San Diego to Connecticut for a wedding, but in Arizona, she told them she wouldn't make it and was going camping instead. That was the last they heard from her and reported her missing October 4th. So reported that Chelsea's phone and bank movements stopped on the 28th. So as far as we can tell, her movements on September 29th are known, or at least they're not publicly out there. We know that on September 30th, Chelsea talked with a woodcutter in Ash Fork, Arizona, and the location is around 18 miles or a 20-minute drive from where she was seen on the police body camera footage in Williams. So that's now almost two days after she was on the body cam footage. So again, hasn't gone far, still in the Staying same area. in the area. Yeah. Then her dad, Stephen, spoke to News Nation about this interaction. And he said about the woodcutter that she ran into that he thought she didn't seem in distress or in need. He said he went back to make sure she didn't want help and she declined. So his conclusion was that she was in pretty good shape. He talked to her around noon and said she was fine and said she didn't need any help and that she was out taking photographs. I wish there's like a little more context. Like, was, why did they think she needed help? Was she camping? Was she just in her car? Yeah. I've read she varying has- reports. One report I read said that he came across her camping and that's why he's like, do you need help? But then other reports I've seen said that she was just out there taking photos. So I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure what the correct story is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Other reports say that Chelsea had been discovered camping in the area by the woodcutter. Oh, I guess that's that. When Chelsea's parents didn't hear from her by October 4th, they knew something was wrong and they filed a missing person report that day. The following day on October 5th, Chelsea's car was found just outside of Ash Fork, which that's still the same area that she talked to the woodcutter. Like, what's a woodcutter? (laughs) I didn't realize that was like a title. I know, it seems like there's so many of them in that area. He's <laughs> just cutting wood. Um, the car was found with two flat tires. It was found abandoned in the middle of a road that was used by hunters and woodcutters. Janet, her mother, told Law and Crime, the car was locked, it was neat, so there were no visual signs of a struggle, and it's possible that she just decided that she was going to proceed with her camping. Her family have theorized that she perhaps got a ride with someone after her car got the flat tires because Roxy was not in the vehicle, the bearded dragons she took with her. Um, Her father said there is a chance that she got a ride out of there. She seemed to have left that car of her volition in an organized way. It was locked. She had taken her wallet, we think her phone and her sleeping bag, among other things, along with the bearded dragon. Her mother said Chelsea has always had a special spot in her heart for children elderly people and animals and she would never leave an animal behind she just wouldn't do it so i think that's a telltale sign so there are some photos that i found online which show the inside of chelsea's car i feel like chelsea possibly posted these on her accounts like on her stories or whatever um before she vanished but basically there's kind of it looks messy and a bit unorganized like it looks like she's been living in her car (laughs) yeah there's like bags on the back seat a hat kind of on the back seat there's a photo of the bearded dragon on the dashboard thing like just kind of hanging out the car's full of stuff like yeah it's not like a neat and orderly and tidy car it looks like there is a lot of stuff in there and yeah you would suspect that she's been um living out of a car based on those photos what is that that bowl next to the bearded dragon it it looks like where you crush spices but i think it's actually 
makes a sound. Oh yeah, like a. You know what I mean. It looks kind of like a mortar and pestle, but it's, yeah, um, yeah. I know what you mean. I don't know what the sound word is, but where you kind of run the thing along the bowl and it along yeah. the edge, and it yeah. makes like a gong sound almost, but yeah. like a nicer one. Another theory is that Chelsea was possibly involved with a man named Philip. We won't say his full name or anything like that because he's not named as like a suspect or anything or really involved too much with the case. This is a clip of him asking for money for his truck or some sort of GoFundMe. Trying to survive, you know? Every day is a, a new opportunity. And uh, I got my F-350 Super Duty here as well. And, uh, you know, I'm looking for any kind of help I can get for gas or, you know, anything at all. Really, most of it goes probably to food and uh, just being able to get everything done that I need to get done. My name is Philip Brenner, by the way. And uh, I'm in San Diego, California. It's a sunny day today. And uh, just van life in it, you know. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. I'm working on the engine right now. It's backfiring. So I hope you all have a wonderful day. And thank you for watching. Her dad said... She was upset with a boy she was dating. She was scared of him. We feel like she was running away from him. And I think overall that was affecting a lot of her mindset. Philip then made a GoFundMe for Chelsea in which he aimed to raise $30,000 to search for her. But Chelsea's family said that the GoFundMe was unsolicited and urged people not to donate. They posted saying the family does not condone or support a GoFundMe for Chelsea. This GoFundMe is not set up to support the family or search efforts. Do not donate and please report. So it seems like he could have been a swindler. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he was trying to help. But like, obviously, it doesn't seem like he was with her. Like, I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility that he found out where she was and went there. But I feel like more so it's just been insinuated online that he's a bit shady and maybe using her disappearance to try and get some money. Hmm. That's really it for her story. Um, yeah. I mean, I just had a look there at like her, the media coverage in her story has really died down. Obviously it's still a very recent case, like six weeks old or whatever, but the last news is essentially three weeks ago. Um, yeah, there hasn't been any updates since around then. Yeah. So, I mean, the main theory is probably that she was having some sort of mental health issue. Um, oh, that's this actually. One of her friends mentioned that she seemed like she could have been having a manic episode of some sort um the friend that was commenting on reddit also said she recently was posting photos of very intense bible studies which was not typical behavior for her nearly every line of the pages she shared were annotated or highlighted with comments filling in the margins the abrupt and fervent nature of it leads me to suspect that leads me to suspect some type of mania she also sent a bunch of messages to friends that were ranting and out of character which seems definitely like it could have been a manic episode of some sort and even with her being reported to be disoriented at the hotel and trying to use euros to pay and then even sitting outside the cemetery crying over the deceased soldiers like it's a it's a, a lot of unusual behavior which i agree could support that there was some type of mental health crisis going on so yeah i think we've said in other instances when people start posting religious texts when it seems out of character for them obviously if someone's religious and posts them normally that's one thing but for someone to start suddenly posting like in-depth annotated religious stuff that doesn't seem to be in their character i feel like that's usually a red flag like we saw that with 
Chris Benoit was doing it. Um, the other guy who had CTE. The one, what is that guy's name? I don't know the one that you're talking about. Philip Adams. Yeah, I was like, Adams, <laughs> Apple. <laughs> um, we saw it with Philip Adams as well. And I'm sure there's tons of others. The guy uh, who murdered his two kids with the spear fishing gun, he started posting a lot of religious stuff that was out of character, they said. Matthew, do you remember? No. Oh, the one with the babies. Um, the spear fishing, yeah. Um, Matthew Coleman. Matthew Coleman. So... Honestly, that's just off the top of my head. I'm sure there's tons that we could think of. So that does seem like she could have been having some sort of manic episode. And like how you were saying how she seemed to be acting um, a little disoriented with the Euros, the hotel guy was saying. Um, Saying how she wanted to go off the grid. That could show me some paranoia. Wanted to change her name. Um, I guess another theory would be maybe she just actually wanted to go off the grid, like fully aware and just wanted to disappear for a little the only reason i think that could be possible is because she did mention going off the grid like i guess that could even tie hand in hand with the mental health crisis scenario that you know it seems like like it's unlikely to be able to stay off the grid with no car like i guess she could be hitchhiking but um yeah it also seems like she had like was close with her parents enough it seemed like she had a lot of friends where it seems like strange that she would just suddenly want to go off the grid, but I don't know. Um, Her dad, Steven, said, we are trying our best to hold on to positive outcome scenarios and put our faith in the authorities. He said, it's a nightmare and it's one that you never could have imagined yourself in and wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, Her mother said, Chelsea's an incredible, vivacious, and talented young lady and she's got a heart of gold. I realize she's not the only person walking around in Arizona, probably with a bearded dragon, but there's probably not a lot of people walking around with their bearded dragons. It often is riding on her shoulder, by the way. So I guess that's true. So <laughs> be on the lookout for a gal with a bearded dragon. It's funny because my sister, her, she goes to work with her coworker. They're teachers. So her coworker brings to and from school every day her bearded dragon because it's like their classroom pet so it's just like in the car with them (laughs) Uh, just funny random thing um and then i guess another theory would be maybe that boyfriend was involved or if there's some type of foul play if maybe that guy could have found out where she was if she was communicating with him i wonder if they'd have access to like her texts or anything to see because that could be helpful yeah i'm not sure if there's like some sort of cloud i don't know um, or even if she was just out taking pictures, cross paths with a bad person, like we heard, we did that episode on um, the girls that were hiking and basically just cross paths with random strangers that took advantage of a girl being alone and abducted and killed them. So you just never know who she could have ran into either. Someone on Reddit also said, just so everyone knows, there have been no official updates on Chelsea. There are people working diligently to find her, including her friends and family at this point. I can't say much, but we have hope. Thanks for everyone who is helping spread the word and bring attention to this case. The second missing woman we're going to discuss today is Margaret Kayalana Turner. She goes by the name Kayalana and her family also refer to her as Kay. So we will go with Kayalana and Kay in our episode. She was 28 when she went missing in Lumberton, Texas on March 10, 2023. So again, another recent one, and she is still missing as of the time of recording. 
We're praying for answers. 28-year-old Kaylana Turner hasn't been seen since March 10th, 2023. Her mother, Rosa Calhoun, says Kaylana was suffering from PTSD and having a bad reaction to prescription medication. She fell asleep in a stranger's driveway. That driveway was located on Country Hill in the Holly Creek Trails area of Tomball. Her family says when she woke up, a deputy was banging on her window and eventually he shattered the glass. That's when they say Kaylana sped off through a backyard, crashed into a wooded area, and then took off running. Her family's been searching for her ever since. That there is a Kaylana-sized hole in my heart. The Calhouns had initially received help from EcuSearch, but once the sheriff's office issued a warrant for Kaylana's arrest, EcuSearch had to take a step back. But Fox 26 can now confirm that even though Kaylana still has an active warrant, EcuSearch has joined back in, and on June 28th, they cleared 50 acres behind the home where her car was found. There are people that love Kaylana that have never even met her and they're out searching for her daily. Rosa says her family still hasn't received any help or answers from the Harris County Sheriff's Department. The body cam footage they've requested has yet to be released and to add insult to injury, the storage lot holding Kaylana's car auctioned it off without her family's knowledge. They say when they tried to collect the card themselves, they were told they couldn't because it was in Kaylana's name. And even through her despair, Rosa Calhoun is staying strong and says she won't stop until Kaylana comes home. To live the life that I have made. And I will search for Kaylana until she is found. Or I will search for Kaylana until the day I die. So Kay was born on April 22nd, 1995 to Robbie and Rosa Calhoun. I believe she had a boyfriend at the time that she went missing and his name is James Rambo. Kay was a well-known musician in Texas. I've got her Instagram up now. Um, I'll link it in the blog that we make, but basically it says Kay Alana, the Kay Index, bouquet of still magnolias, grievous angel golf coast musician. And there's a lot of clips of her singing and playing the guitar. Her family have been using it recently to post missing you know, missing person information about Kay. But before that, you can go on and get an idea of what she was like. And, you know, she was very quirky, unique. She's very artistic and creative. I encourage you to go and have a look at her Instagram to get an idea about what she was like. Hello. Welcome to three minutes of me choosing a song to sing today. I lit a candle and I made coffee and it's in this cactus mug and also I went to Target today and I bought cupcakes <laughs> so um I'm gonna eat one and drink some coffee and I'm going to spin this wheel if anyone still has suggestions for a heartbreaking song you can still send those to me DM me whatever um and I'll like add them to the wheel as I go over the next few days, I don't know how many days are 10, I think, 10 days left, to my 14 days of heartbreaking songs. All right, um, I'm gonna turn this around and we're gonna spin the wheel. So according to Kay's family, she had been experiencing some mental health issues at the time that she vanished. Her medication had recently been changed and some reports say that she hadn't slept for days prior to vanishing. 
Kay's family have been very open about her mental health struggles and they're very proactive in trying to raise awareness about her case. I know there's been a few other podcasts that have featured Kay's story, um, but they've been very open about it. Robbie said in 2020, during the height of the COVID pandemic, she was living in New York City and she spent time having to commute in and out of Times Square for her job. He says because of that, Kay suffered from PTSD and she'd been suffered and she'd been prescribed Zoloft and Ritalin. Her doctor had upped her dosage just two weeks before her disappearance. So Kay is five foot four and around 127 pounds, so very petite. And Rosie and Robbie, Robbie believe that Kay had a bad reaction to the mixture and the dosage of those medications. Robbie said, I found out later that these medications really shouldn't be mixed. So Kay's family have a really good Facebook page. They update it all the time with information about her. I'll link it on the blog. Um, the page is called Updates for Kay Alana Turner, and this information about the circumstances surrounding her disappearance are from that page. It says, on the evening of March 9, 2023, Kay was staying with a friend, Brittany, in Silsby, Texas. Her friend left for work that morning and assumed Kay was asleep as she normally was at that time. At some point, Kaylana was seen walking in front of her friend's house, seemingly lost and confused. She knocked on the door and rang the doorbell, even though she has had the same door code for many years and has multiple ways for her to enter the home. The family were later alerted that Kay was seen walking to neighboring houses and knocking on their doors as well. At some point, Kaylana got in her car and began to drive somewhere. Uh, they believed that she, as we mentioned, that she was struggling due to the medication change and that she hadn't slept in at least three days. After leaving Silsby, Brittany was having trouble getting Kay to respond to text, but he was able to get her on FaceTime. Brittany has said that Kay seemed distant and stated that she needed, that she was getting groceries and needed to go. And this, Brittany said this wasn't typically how their FaceTime calls went. A few hours later, she called Brittany, but her phone service was very bad and it was hard to understand what she was saying. Brittany thought that she was possibly asking for gas money and texted her asking if she could hear her and if she needed anything. Hours later at 8.51pm, Kay texted Brittany the words no and help. Brittany frantically tried to call Kay and once Brittany was able to get a hold of her on a phone call at around 9.35, she simply responded that she was fine and that she just needed to drive for a bit. Brittany questioned Kay and said that she did not need help and insisted that she was fine. Brittany contacted Kay's boyfriend and he began to search areas in Beaumont that he knew Kay would frequently visit in the hope of seeing her vehicle and checking on her. One of Kay's friends that said that she contacted him around 10pm that day and asked him for directions to his home in Austin. She said her phone only had 3% battery and that she did not have enough service to load her GPS. And she told her friend that she didn't know where she was at the time or what day it was. I wonder, was like this friend expecting her at all or she yes. just knew that he was that she was in the area of where he lived and reached out. Mm, it's an unusual part of the story. Yeah. Um, Kay kept driving after this interaction. She drove down 290 and she soon got tired. She pulled off the highway in a town called Hockley, Texas, and made her way into Bower Landing. There is ring doorbell footage of Kay following a young man into his driveway. She can be seen asking this man where she could take a nap because she was very tired. This person was underage and he said that he would go and get his parents to help. By the time they got out of the house, Kay was already pulling out of the driveway in her vehicle. She drove around the Bower Hills area for hours, pulling into multiple driveways in an effort to try and find a place to park and sleep. Finally, at around 3.30am, Kay parked on a driveway and I think it's in Segan Trail. 
Uh, I believe from what I've read on the family's Facebook page that the resident of this property is a woman named Kelsey and she provided doorbell footage to Kay's family. It seems like Kay believed that she made it to Austin and that she was trying to get her friend to answer the door. So this is, I believe, the friend that she called before and asked for directions. Mm -hmm. So she seemed to believe for some reason that she had arrived at that friend's house. Um, Kelsey called police to come and assist Kay. There was footage of Kay acting erratically at Kelsey's home between 3.37 and 3.50 a.m. Kelsey emailed the video footage to the Harris County Sheriff at 4.30 a.m. So it was good that Kelsey was proactive and trying to get help for Kay Alana. You know, yeah. even though it was so early in the morning. It's sad. It seems like she was just driving around, basically, like, confused, lost, looking for help, just wanting to have a nap. Yeah. Kay ended up driving away from Kelsey's place at around 4 a.m. She headed eastbound and stopped in Holy Creek Trails in Tomball, where the owner of that house found her asleep in the driveway at 6 a.m. Kay's family have said that she, quote, sleeps like the dead. When the homeowner tried to wake Kay up and couldn't, they called their HOA president, who in turn contacted the police. Other neighbours saw some commotion and came to see what was going on. When the police arrived and attempted to wake Kay, they said that she was very spooked and disoriented. Witnesses say that Kay was unable to respond properly and it almost seemed as if she was sleepwalking. Kay attempted to drive out of the driveway, but her car had been blocked in from behind. She decided to drive through the front yard to get to the street. However, this exit was also blocked by a neighbour's car. So at this point, the constable called Harris County Sheriff's Office for backup. When they arrived, Kay continued to attempt to drive away. She stopped her car near a fence at one point and then an officer used a two-by-four in an attempt to break into the driver's window. This spooked Kay even more and she drove off through a field. So I think that you can tell, like, this situation is escalating. Kay is obviously terrified, scared. She's trying to get away. The police are trying to stop her. Um, You know, obviously using a two-by-four on the window doesn't seem like it was the best choice of things to be using. It seems so crazy i was thinking about it and i was like wow these police need more training and how to deal with someone who's having a mental crisis like how to calm someone down but then on the flip side she's in a car so that definitely doesn't make it easier she's clearly scared but the officers don't want to get hit by the car so it just seems like a bad situation for everyone involved but the two by four on the window is pretty unhinged yeah, and I just feel like, it, like, and I know people, I'm not sticking up for anyone in this situation, but, you know, I know people in a situation, they just kind of sometimes have a knee-jerk reaction, but this was just a perfect storm of really bad circumstances, it seems. Yeah. Um, so Robbie said, I think in her mental state she was frightened and she was just trying to get away the best that she could. Officers chased her on foot until her car, so they were on foot, she was still driving, until her car became bogged in the mud. She managed to get around half a mile into the woods before that happened. Kay got out of the car and started running on foot. She left everything behind and she also dropped her phone near her car. Kay made it to a place called Spring Creek and she seemed to cross that waterway. Her shoes were found near a log that she used to cross the creek, so I guess she kind of took them off and jumped over the log to get to the other side. Her shoes that they found were full of glass from the broken window so I feel like that indicates that she's probably suffered some type of injury you know if she's running with glass in her shoes to get across for a period of time anyway her feet would have been all cut up and just not having shoes now at this point yeah isn't great so Rosa said her daddy found her shoes besides the cu- beside the car full of glass where she had run out of her shoes we she went over the log and we know she made it to Spring Creek because he found her footprints So Kay then crossed Spring Creek into Montgomery County where she went through another person's field and yard and it's thought that she then made her way to Decker Prairie Rose Hill Road. 
Harris County law enforcement used a helicopter in an attempt to search the woods for her body heat, but the helicopter apparently ran out of fuel before it could locate Kay. By 11am on Friday, March 10, her friend Brittany, who was the one that she'd been staying with, reported her missing to Hardin County in Texas. Her parents reported her missing in Harris County on the same day. Texas EquiSearch became involved quickly and searched the area where she was last seen on Saturday, March 11, but they didn't find her. Harris County law enforcement decided to cancel the missing person report for Kay and they pressed charges against her for felony evasion of arrest and attempt to assault a police officer with a motor vehicle. That's her a little fam- dick. No, no. Before this, her family have said that Kay never even had a parking ticket. After the felony charges were announced, that meant that Texas EquiSearch were no longer able to assist with the case. Robbie said that tied the hands of EquiSearch because their policy is they will not search for anyone who has a warrant. They only search for innocent people. So they only had that window on the Saturday before the warrants went into place. So thankfully by March 23rd, Harris County had re-added Kay to their missing persons list, but the the charges against her still stood and I believe they actually still stand to this day. But by the the 23rd, that's pretty far after yeah like. so even if someone had come across like i guess maybe if you know if someone had come across it for whatever reason the warrant would have jumped out but yeah it, it still took a very long time to get them but back, even just like onto the list texas equisearch is really great at searching for people if they really really wanted to charge her they couldn't have just waited until maybe someone found her i think yeah. the charges are ridiculous to begin with like you're gonna give her a felony charge when she was clearly having a mental health crisis and was afraid and needed help and no one was hurt. Like, it's not like she ran someone over. No, I feel like there was some property damage, but yeah, no one was hurt. Um, it was just obviously. A horrible I feel like this situation. could have been, at l- anything could have been settled after she was found. Yeah. So there's an ABC 13 article from April 2023, and it states that deputies said Kay may have been in the stagecoach area of Montgomery County. County at the end of April. There was no other information provided about why they think that was the case. I'm assuming there was maybe a possible sighting um, because obviously there's no other way. She doesn't have a phone. She doesn't have any of her personal belongings. So I'm assuming that's probably based off a sighting. That same month, nearly 100 people gathered and they held a vigil for Kay. They all sang a song that Kay had written called Wake Up, Oh My Soul. Brittany, her friend, said, the song is a great example of how talented Kay always was and still is. To know Kay is to love her because Kay loved everyone. Even if she barely knew you, she loved you and will make sure that you're okay. Now it's our turn to make sure that she's okay. So in June, searchers did use underwater drones to search a creek near where Kay was last seen. Nothing was found. And around this time, thankfully, Texas EquiSearch announced that they were able to step back into the case. A volunteer named Nina Glass spoke about the use of the drones. She said, we have two underwater drones. One has an arm and one doesn't. The one with the arm is able to pick things up out of the water. They can go up to 300 feet and you can watch the phone and you can see anything underwater. So they sound quite high tech and it sounds like basically pretty cool. reading between the lines that if there was something in that creek, they likely would have found it. If we find that dress, we'll find her somewhere. And this family is finally getting the help they've been waiting for. Search and Rescue of San Antonio, Texas, traveled to Tomball and spent an entire weekend searching that area where she went missing. Where she came up missing from is very dense. Um, so it's kind of hard for us to walk through some of it. Nina Glass, director for SNR San Antonio, was on the ground along with the volunteers. They also brought out underwater drones to search deep bodies of water that are in the area. We have two underwater drones. One has an arm on it and one doesn't. The one with the arm is able to pick up things out of the water. They can go up to 300 feet 
And then they have a phone and you watch the phone and you can see everything underwater. And while nothing turned up, they were able to eliminate surrounding areas and properties to help narrow down the search. So an article from Fox 26 Houston in July says that Kay's car was, was auctioned off without her family's knowledge or consent. They tried to collect the vehicle themselves previously and they were denied because the car was registered in Kay's name. This information about that situation is from the family's Facebook page. I said we had checked on it, but we were told we needed to have power of attorney or some other legal authority to retrieve it. It took a backseat to our main objective of finding Kay, so I let it slip. So now essentially that, you know, who knows what other evidence could have been in that car. It sounds like it was in this impound lot or a similar type of lot this whole time and now it's been sold all that is lost. That's, that's also seems ridiculous. Like why would, I guess, you know, if, I don't know, I know there's a time limit on these things and if people don't collect the car, like I do understand that there's kind of a process, but I also feel like that could have been waived in this case. Yeah, especially if the family wanted it. Yeah. Just seems weird. So as of early November 2023 when we're recording, Kay is still missing. Her dad, Robbie, said, what do you do when you don't know? You don't know who to ask, you don't know where to look, and you don't know what to do. When you've done it all, all you can do, you stand, and that's where we're at. Her family have spoken about the help they have received from locals. Rosa said, the neighbourhood where this incident started, those people have walked those woods. They've shouted her name and they've shared her story. Kay's family are hoping that someone has maybe picked it up and that that person doesn't have social media, so they've been appealing, you know, newspaper, TV, all other kind of forms of media as well. Robbie said, whoever has seen her or picked her up has helped her may not do social media and our only means to communicate with them may be traditional media. So that's really it for like the facts in her story. Just I feel like I've talked about this before in other cases, but how her family was saying she started acting this way when she started taking different doses of medications, like combined medications. And I've been on a couple different anti-anxiety medications. I've never had adverse reactions this extreme, but I know even just I've talked about when I changed birth control, if you have a weird reaction to a medication, it can make you feel like a totally, totally different person. When I was on a different birth control, I was so depressed. I felt like I would look at myself in the mirror. I wouldn't even recognize who I was. I felt miserable and one of my coworkers started taking um, a new anti-anxiety medication and they had an adverse reaction to it and they had to be hospitalized because it made them feel like suicidal and out of their minds. So I don't think it's too hard to believe that that is definitely a possibility of what happened. Um, I think it's clear that she was having a mental, that she was in crisis. She was very scared if she was just driving around lost looking for a place to sleep. Obviously, she wasn't thinking rationally because she could have just like called her family for help, called someone, just would have handled. I'm sure if she wasn't in crisis, she would have handled that situation much differently. Then the police came uh, out really aggressive, scared her, and she just fled. It's really sad. And it sucks because there is sometimes where like I've taken medications that have helped me a ton but in the back of your mind, you're always like, what if I have an adverse reaction? And I just wish there was a better way for these things to be handled. Because a lot of times when you start taking a new medication too, like you're going to have some side effects while you adjust to it. So part of me is like, is this a normal side effect or is this a bad side effect? And sometimes it's so bad where you just, you aren't even aware anymore of what's going on. I do think that 
um, in this case, it is plausible that Kay is still alive and what her family have said about her maybe getting a ride with somewhere and maybe she still believes that, you know, she's still running because she's terrified that the police are after her. Like I feel like that could be absolutely a plausible scenario in this case and I really hope that she is alive and she's found and returned to her family very, very soon. Yeah, the police breaking her window is probably very terrifying, especially if she was already suffering with some PTSD-type symptoms from the pandemic and depression and anxiety. I'm sure the police breaking open your window with a two-by-four and finding out that you have felony charges against you probably doesn't make you want to come out of hiding. We have posted a lot about Kay on our Instagram stories and I know we've had a few messages from people who have questioned if there was any police involvement in her case. You know, they question that that's sus why they sold the car, you know, you know, allowed the car to be sold. Um, I feel like the police involvement in this case, in my opinion, is probably limited to them being neglectful and overbearing in terms of trying, you know, failing to her assist and- her when she needed help. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that there is likely any other type of cover-up for police, especially based on there being witnesses. Do you know what I mean? I just, I just feel like the police involvement in this case is due to their um, lack of assistance that they provided to Kay. Yeah, like the car situation was probably, like a lot of places are short-staffed right now, overworked. Seems like it was more a lot of people being like, eh, not my job, we're just following protocols it's getting sold. Nobody wanted to take the extra step to really try to like help the family out, which is shitty in its own way. But I don't think, I don't think the police did something to her and are covering it up or anything like that. So as we said, Kay is still missing. I urge you all to go and check out her family Facebook page updates for Kay Alana. I'll link it on our blog too, but they post daily updates on there. And I feel like they're very responsive. If you have any questions, they will answer them. Um, according to the missing person poster, it says 28-year-old Margaret Kayalana Turner was last seen in the 18,000 block of Country Hills Drive in Tomball, Texas on March 20, 10, 2023. Kay was wearing a long pink dress at the time of her disappearance. And then it gives you the sheriff's number and the Texas EquiSearch number. So I'll pop that on the blog if you think you have any information. Kay has brown hair, blue eyes. She's five foot four. And even it says in this she's 110 pounds. So her family did say she was 127 pounds. So she's very petite. Mm. Um, but there's a photo on there as well, and we'll put some photos up on the blog if you want to have a look, and especially if you're in the area around where she vanished. But that is really it for both of these cases. Like Ali was just saying, everything will be on our blog if you want to read about them again or see the pictures or any video clips. That's at truecrimesocietyblog.com. You can follow us on Instagram. We're always posting updates and new cases there if you want to follow along at True Crime Society. And if you want to follow our personal accounts, mine is stuffsum underscore, Olivia's is TCS Olivia, and we are on Patreon now. So if you want to listen to the episodes ad-free, and I put them out a little bit earlier the day before, if you want to get early release, and we do weekly bonus episodes as well, you can check us out on Patreon. And if you haven't already, give us a good review or a good rating on Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed and following. All those things are really helpful to us and share the podcast with some friends and help us grow our audience. Um, Thank you guys for listening and stay safe out there. Peace out.